Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. You know, this morning I want to share what I felt the Lord sharing, but also this is to, we're here to say thank you and, and to give a big shout out to all the people here in this church who are making possible what is happening in Nairobi. We're so grateful. We're going to share a little bit about what we're doing, where we're going. But, uh, you know, you guys have believed in, in us, even when we might not have even known ourselves, <laughs> believed in ourselves. Can we do this thing? I don't know. But this was a special moment for us um, for a number of reasons. And, you know, that might just look like a crowd to you sitting, you know, standing outside uh, the Ministry of Agriculture in Nairobi. Um, but for us, this is so much more than just a group of people standing in, in front of that. And the reason that I give a big shout out to Pastor Phil and Julie is because, you know, if we haven't met, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's gone and started a church and, and you know, Pastor Garth's sharing, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a, um, a Shane Hutchinson, you know. I'm, I'm absolutely an underdog. Without Andrew's right, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm an underdog um, because, you know, I was thinking back to this morning as I was praying for this gathering, I was thinking back at a snapshot over my life at how good God has been. Really, we're looking at the goodness of God this month at C3 Tugra, and uh, this story of Jamie and I going to Kenya to start a church is a story of the goodness of God. I'm telling you, right, that picture right there for you, and we'll just leave that up for quite some time because that there is, that is a portrait of the goodness of God without a shadow of a doubt. Because, you know, some of you might not have been here when I walked into this church, as Pastor Julie said last week, uh, 17 years ago on Friday. And I remember a year after that, I came, I gave my life to the Lord, but I turned away from God. I, you know, I wasn't ready to surrender my heart to Him. And I came back a year later broken, and I remember walking into a service, and I remember having this thought going through my head. I had this thought going through my head, and it was this, where am I? Like, what is life? What am I doing in life? I'm 20 years old. I've got no idea about life. I have no vision for my life. I have no purpose for my life. And my life is going down and not up. And I sat through the service and I think I came and helped roll up some leads at the end. And as I'm there, I'm still rolling up the leads. And I'm just thinking, where am I? And Pastor Phil comes up to me. He goes, hey, son, where are you at? And I was like, I have no idea. And I need someone to tell me where I'm at. And I think back to moments like that, that, that started uh, us moving. I think of you know, Presence Conference a few years after that. And this is why, you know, don't look at Presence Conference like just an event. These are divine moments. I was at Presence Conference 2006, and I'm doing a little bit better at life, but marginally. And I remember I went to Presence Conference by myself uh, because I just wanted to see God, because I knew I needed more of God. 
And, you know, I think sometimes don't lose the seeking of God because God doesn't just find you. He knows you. He knows where you are, but he wants you to seek him that you may find him. And that's a promise that if you seek God with intentionality, you'll find him. And I remember being at Presence Conference, and again, I was a primary school teacher, and I had not much else as far as vision to do anything different. And God, John Bevere was preaching, and God just stirred my heart, and it was almost like God said, that's what I've put you on the planet to do. And I found purpose. And you know, there's, I, I'm just looking at all these, you know, getting the dream of going to Africa. And as I just mentioned, you know, thinking, can we even do, like, do I even have what it takes to do anything like this for God? Like, am I, am I biting off more than I can chew here? Am I thinking I've got something a little bit more than what I actually have? Um, but then, you know, when you step out and just to, just to say something before I get to the main point, if you would put your hand, your life in God's hands... He can turn underdogs into champions. And so if you're an underdog today, that's okay. If you're not a, a Shane or, a, or an Andrew or whatever, if you're just an underdog sitting there, if you'll put your life in God's hands, he will back you every step of the way. Honestly, week after week when we're at C3 Nairobi, we are blown away that God backs our loaves. He, he multiplies our loaves and fish. Somehow we just, you know, he, he's with us. And, you know, to be totally honest, if God was not with us, we would be back part of this church because we're not into doing something that God's not into. But it is so evident that God is in our community at C3 Nairobi uh, that we have to be obedient and keep going with this. Um, you know, so, I mean, we, to see lives being changed every week in a church, like, so in, in, in this photo, I'm telling you the stories that are in this photo is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, let me read you a few little testimonies. I just got asked some people to write in. Uh, just let us know if C3 Nairobi had, had made a difference in their life. And here's a few that came back. Someone wrote, when I met you, I was doing driving and my biggest time of earning money was on Sundays. And so I didn't go to church at all. But you changed my attitude and church became my priority. Since then, I make more money than ever before Monday to Saturday. It's changed me, and I'm happy, so happy to be a member of C3 where I find real people and I can chat to my pastors without any fear, um, which is cool. I told you about a, a young guy that grew up in a slum uh, last time I was here, and he said, you can sh share my story. I won't do that again, but he just a, a snippet. He said, I'm now at peace with God for real. Uh, I treasure the realization that he thinks well of me, that he's good. Uh, now I serve him not to gain his favor, but because I love him sincerely. I'm already favored to be his child. I am a child of God. And that's a guy that was a, an orphan in a slum, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, this is a lady that's been to our church for six weeks. She's been a member, no, seven weeks. She's, she came, her brother brought her along, and she's been to every church service since. She said, I love the name of your church, C3. Your teachings are truly inspiring and faith-building. Praise God, your sermons are always thoughtful, well-delivered, practical, spiritual. The last five weeks on Colossians have opened my eyes. I couldn't get enough of it. More, please. Uh, now I see the power of God in a greater way in my life, and I thank him big time. God bless C3. And then she made an amendment. I love the name of your slash my church, dot, 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 our church. And so she's like saying, no, I've made, it's not your church, it's my church. This is, this is home. And 
you know, there's another one. When I joined C3 Nairobi last year, I wasn't really planted in any church. I used to hop in three different churches within the city, depending on my mood that weekend. Uh, as fate would have it, my wife attended a C3 church in Switzerland. She was informed by the pastor there that another branch was being launched in Nairobi. Because of the love and the close-knit uh, atmosphere there, she came back and told me, and we just tried it, decided to try out C3 Nairobi. After attending a couple of Sundays, we decided to make C3 our home because of the love and welcoming attitude of Pastor Garth, Jamie, and the church family. Since then, we have learned the importance of being planted in the house. I believe through this, i.e. being planted and serving in the house, we have experienced favor in our business and my wife's career. C3 is now home. And that guy, he was, he's our sound guy. He's our head sound guy. A year ago, he'd never touched a sound desk, um, but someone trained him. Now he's trained a team of six. And, you know, we could honestly go on and on because I'm just blown away by the goodness of God in individual lives that's, that's happening. And, um, but, but I guess the main thing I want to share this morning is this, that God, it's easy to, to know God's good when you see things like that. You, you know, when you hear someone telling their story and you, and you step out and, and, and God's there every gathering and every conversation, every meeting and his provisions there. But I, I want to tell someone today that God is not just good in the delivery, but God's good in the delay. In the delay. He's not just good in the delivery of the promise. He's good in the delay on getting to the promise. Uh, I think often we are tempted to think that God is, that delay means that God is not good. When, when we're waiting for something, we're believing for something, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you're waiting for today. As I said, you know, maybe you're believing that your business is going to produce an incredible amount of income that you can be a, blessed to be a blessing. Maybe you're believing for a life partner. Maybe you're believing for a healing. Maybe you're believing for your kid to come back to the Lord. I don't know what it is you're believing for, but I believe the, one of the most challenging parts of my life is to continue believing God's good in the delay between seeing the promise that you're believing for. Um, but do you know what? I think actually the part, the part of his goodness a key part of his goodness is not that he gives us what we want when we want it, but part of his goodness is that he gives us not what we want, but what's best and when it's best. Doesn't give us what we want when we want it. He gives us what's best when it's best. And, uh, you know, not like I remember I put a huge amount of pressure on my mum when I was a kid uh, shopping on a Friday afternoon at Coles at West Gosford and you know, I can only imagine what she would have been feeling. It's the supermarket's busy, it's packed out, and, uh, you know, she's worked for the week, and I decided she was putting money through the, all this stuff through the checkout, and she said she didn't even know if she had enough money to pay for it. But I saw a chocolate bar that I wanted, and, you know, of course, I patiently just said, I'll have that another day, I don't want it right now. No, of course not. I'm like, Mom, I want that chocolate bar. And I remember I was kicking up a... I was, you know, I was kicking up a farce. I'm like yelling and screaming. And I think mom did, I think she just reached the pressure and she goes, oh, okay, put it on then. But God's not like that, you know. He doesn't succumb to your ranting and raving, your foot stomping and your, you know, and our whinging. And you know what? Thank God that he doesn't. Because if he gave us everything we wanted when we wanted it, my goodness, that would be, that would be a disaster. 
God's timing, and I've shared this before, and so I was questioning the Lord whether to share it again. I shared this phrase with you before. God's timing is painfully perfect. The painfully perfect timing of God is in your life. And the painful part means that it's easy to doubt God's goodness. The painful part. It's easy to doubt God's goodness. But the perfect part means that not only is delay an opportunity to doubt God's goodness, but it's also an opportunity for the demonstration of God's goodness in your life. When you wait and then at that moment, the perfect timing comes and you see, oh God, that's why I get it. I, you know, sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't, but it is both painful and perfect all at the same time. And this is not something, the reason why I felt like to, to share this, it's not something you ever get used to. You know, after the, this birthday celebration, you know, it's all good. I've never had so much fun in the church service in my life. There was just so much excitement. Everyone's so excited about what God's doing with us and, uh, you know, such an energy there and, you know, God was just speaking to us all. But then the next week, I find myself complaining to God in my prayer time. I don't, it's like, I've written here, it's like I'm a spiritual golem. I have like these two sides where one minute I'm like, yes, God's good and he's awesome and it's wonderful. And the next minute I'm like, God, do you not see? Why aren't you moving? What do you, you don't know what you're doing. I doubt God's goodness in my life. And um, because, because we need a new venue, we had in this, you know, I think I was here la- this time last year saying we're going to move into a new venue soon. We still haven't moved into a new venue. We had about 20 people sitting outside our venue uh, on that gathering. And, you know, we've talked to over 20 to 30 venues where they've said, no, you can't have your church here. No, you can't have your church here. And I'm like... You know, I'm praying in my own time. I'm saying, God, you are stopping the growth of your church. God, like, I, I want to be real with you this morning. Like, I, I was complaining. I'm saying, God, you see, do you, do you want us to grow or not? Because right now, if you want us to grow, we need a new venue. But at the moment, it seems, God, like you don't want us to grow. You haven't given us, you could have given us any venue you wanted to, but you're not doing it. So if this doesn't grow, Lord, if, the, if we lose momentum, it's on your shoulders. And uh, this is up to you. And, um, and I was just frustrated. I was frustrated. But, um, but I, I did a couple of things. Of course, I get to this point a lot. Um, I get to this point more often than I'd like to, where I just go, God, I don't get it. And so there's a few things that I just wanted to share that helped me deal with God's delay in this whole journey that we've been on. And the first one is this, that we need to remind ourselves of God's goodness in the past. You need to remind yourself. Because delay, when we lose, we only end up in trouble when God seemingly is delaying when we lose perspective. When we get stuck looking at the here and now. We go, God, I don't have a venue. I, don't, I forget every other ounce of goodness that he's shown me, and I just go, God, this is the issue that seems too big right now. We lose perspective. But if we can remind ourselves of all the times in the past that God has broken through and he's done stuff, it will lift your faith. And so I remember, you know, I remember telling you, I think, some of you, the work permit situation 
where we needed a work permit and people wanted bribes from us and other people stole money from us and it took nine months when it was supposed to take two months and it was just a disaster of a situation. And then when my family left one day, I was pretty upset and after nine months, I said to Jamie, uh, I said to Jamie, I think, you know, maybe we just go home because it's pretty difficult here. And, um, and as I'm saying that, I may or may not have been crying as I said that. Immigration called me at that moment, having that conversation after nine months and said, your work permit is there. And I was just like, God, that timing, is, like, it's perfect. It was the most painful timing ever, but it was perfect in that moment. And I reminded myself of that. Not only that, but to get that work permit, we had to find a church venue in one day. Now, at that time, I had no idea how wow that was because I went into immigration and they don't accept that you're starting a church. Well, if you're a pastor, where's your church? He said, come back to me on Friday, it was Wednesday, and tell me where your church is. I said, no worries, we can do that, I'll find that. So we went out in one day and the first place we got to was this place and the door opened. And so I go, my goodness, like God can absolutely do what he wants to do. But you've got to understand that if God has the power and the desire to do something in your life and he hasn't done it yet, it means that he's forming something on the inside of you that he needs to form fully until he can bring that thing to pass. It's not that he's not good. It's not that he's not interested. It's not that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's that he knows perfectly. It's in fact the opposite. He's very good. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows that little bit of thing on the inside of you. So now I go, God, you could get me this venue anytime you wanted. You got it in one morning, in, one, in 10 minutes. You got us a venue in the past, and now you won't get, we don't have it after a, a year and 25 venues later. God must be doing something in us that is bigger than just the thing, right? So, so remind yourself that God, of all the stuff, you know, if, if it's breakthrough, financial breakthrough, if you've been with the Lord for more than five years, you could think of multiple times where God has provided and broken through in your finances multiple times. If you're struggling to believe that now, it's just because you've lost perspective. It's just that you've forgotten the good stuff. You've, you've, you're just looking at the here and now without the grand scheme of things. So remind yourself of the past. Encourage yourself in the scriptures. All right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I went when I found myself complaining to the Lord, and I went and read the story of Joseph. And I'm just like, man, if ever there's a story to encourage you on delay... Read Joseph and your situation won't seem so bad after all. Uh, and, and, I, and I particularly read that part where it says he was in jail and he says to the baker, remember me when you go up to... And, and it says, and then the next verse, it says two years later. One verse of Joseph's life was longer than I've been in Africa already. One verse of his life, of the whole 12 chapters from Genesis 38 to 50... One verse was longer than I've even been in Africa right now. And I just thought, wow, that guy waited really well. And he just, but, but I reckon by that point, he kept perspective. He's like, I've ended up in a pit. I've ended up in, 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 in slavery in Potiphar's house. I've ended up in prison. What's another two years, <laughs> you know? And, um, and so searches through Abraham. I read, I, you know, after, you know, the promise of a child and, 
And then how long was it? It was about 13 years after, after they stuffed up that the promise came. And I was like, wow, 13 years. That is an extraordinarily long time. That's, especially when you're 100 years old. And so you're reading these people of faith. And, and okay, here's another little tip for you. God's happy with messy waiting. Often people say this, no, patience is waiting well. Well, I don't think they've read the Bible, to be honest. Because God said about Abraham, he did not waver in his faith. Okay, he did not waver in his faith, yet he, made, he, yet he slept with a maidservant to try and accelerate the plans of God in his life. That doesn't sound like not wavering to me. But what God is after is not perfection, but persistence. And if you persevere, that is perfectly waiting in God's eyes. If you just hang in there, if you just scrape in there, that in God's eyes is you did not waver. And so amidst your complaining and your carrying on and your, your weaknesses and your sin, you'll still get to the pearly gates and God will say, oh, yeah, this is, this is Andrew. He did not waver. And you'll be like, I think that's the wrong Andrew. No, 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 that's you. That's you. He saw Ra, you know, Ra, he did not wait. You didn't rave Ra. He's like, what? Are you sure about that? Yeah, no, because you hang in there and you just kept going. And so read the scriptures and get that, get that into you. Um, remind yourself of God's sovereignty. Uh, do we have that scripture in Job 42? I think Job's a fascinating. I was reading, I've been reading Job before church at the moment. I don't know why. Well, I do know. I know one reason. One was because I was pretty upset with the Lord about this, and I was going to church to talk about how good God was. And it's pretty hard to celebrate someone you're angry with. And I just thought, I need some help here because I can't get up and celebrate this guy in front of everyone when I think the way I currently do. And so I read Job <laughs> just to get a little bit of humbling. <laughs> I was like, because some, you know, it says humble yourself, <laughs> humble yourself. Sometimes you need to humble yourself. It's better than him doing it. And, and if we've got that, that verse, Job says, then Job replied to the Lord. This is after, you know, sorry if you are new to the Lord or new to church and I'm sort of assuming a bit of back knowledge here, um, where Job says, God, do you really know what you're doing pretty much? Do you know what you're doing? I'm not sure. And God then answers him with this almighty answer. Uh, go read it in Job like 37 and 38. And, and after Job's eyes are opened to who God is, he says this, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. It's me, God. I did it. Uh, I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before. That's why... Jamie's so passionate about seeing people experience God. Because if you, if you only hear about God, you can't submit to the Lord. Jesus can't be your Lord if you only know about him. You've got to experience him. Then he said, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. What a great revelation. Um, is there more to that or is that it? Oh, I take, I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. I don't know if you've ever said that in hindsight. In the painful part, you're like, God, you're this and that. And then in the perfect part, you're like, I take back everything, Lord. That, you know me. I was just joking. That's not really, that's not really right. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what it's like with the timing of God. But because you are human, and luckily God is so merciful and gracious, 
He can handle your stuff. But, but just continually remind yourself in your delay that God is sovereign and he knows best. Um, fourth, be honest with God. Um, you know, the beautiful thing is that we can come before God freely at any time of the week. Freely. He's not, like Luke, Andrew said before, he's not, he's not angry, he's not grumpy. In fact, if you got a revelation of how big and awesome he is, you would want him in every single part of your week. When you're working, when you're changing nappies, when you're cooking dinner, and you would want God in every part of that if you knew how powerful he was. But we can come before him, and that means what God wants for you, much more than your perfect prayers, is honesty. I hate it when someone says to me, I say, can you pray? Oh, I'm not a good prayer. There's no, is there any, is there such a thing as a bad prayer? There's just not. There is no such thing as a bad prayer. There's no such thing as a good prayer, other than a prayer that is transparent and humble. I don't care if my people before the service are shouting and, and chanting, as long as they're opening their mouth in some form that is connecting with God. Because if that is happening, that's a good prayer. And so if you can be honest with God, that is really important. But just make sure that your complaint turns into a cry really quickly. Because if you stay in your complaint, if you stay in the whinging, if you're staying in the criticizing for too long, you stop in the valley. And then it's hard to get out. Stuff becomes dark. All of a sudden, the problem, not only do you see the problem for what it is, it becomes worse than what it is. So all of a sudden it becomes too much. Oh God, I can't, this is never going to happen. No, no, no. Be honest with the Lord, but then turn it into a criticism or a complaint to a cry of faith. Although I'm feeling this, Lord, I know that you are God. I know that you will break through. I know that you are the God with whom it is, is, you know, nothing is impossible, with whom can do more than I can ever ask, think or imagine. You can turn into the place of honesty and transparency into declarations of faith that lift you rather than drag you down. And I think that's where I went wrong at the end of last year. I'm just talking with you this morning. It went, at the end of last year, I, I, I stopped in the valley. I reached a place where I was tired and, and, and a few things weren't going right and I stopped. And then I had a few good people who were able to go, no, you don't stop here in this place, you keep walking. And as you keep walking through the valley of your soul, there you'll find the place where you can trust God. And if I can say anything, this is the whole point of delay, that your trust would come from off of yourself and onto God. We always trust, we, we have this inclination to trust ourselves. To, you know, God, I'll, you're at church on Sundays, but I've got the rest of the week covered. I've got, the re- I've got my work covered, you're not needed there. But the gospel is this. The gospel is not only that you have forgiveness of sin through faith. The gospel is this message that every part of your life should be in, in the, in, on, uh, with reliance and dependence upon the power of God on the inside of you. That no part of your life should you try and trust in, your, in yourself and in your own goodness and in your own strength. That every part of your life is dependent on God, even when you're doing a lot of work. Paul said... This is why I struggle with all the power that Christ supplies. That's fascinating. Paul struggles, but he acknowledges that it's with the power of God on the inside of him. 
And so really, God wants your trust. And that's harder than giving him your faith. Faith, we can lay hold of things. We can believe him. Yes, I believe you, God. But can you let go of control? Because faith is taking, laying hold of control. Faith, trust is letting go of control. It's saying, God, I don't understand. I don't get it, but I trust you. And I just want to read this scripture to you in Isaiah 3. Uh, it's been fascinating me for a long time. And just forget about the whole physical judgment side of things and hear the heart of God behind this passage. Right? So this is to Judah. It says, the, uh, Isaiah 3 verse 1, The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything they depend on. Every bit of bread and every drop of water, all their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisors, skilled sorcerers and astrologers. Hear the heart of God that says, everything that you depend on that's not me is useless. It's never going to be enough. I, and, and I believe God wants us to get, part of delay is that. Part of delay is God saying, I want to take away from you everything that you can depend on. That is apart from me. I want to take away your trust in yourself. I want to take away your trust in your job because your job's not your provider because that could go at any minute. God's your provider. I want to take away your trust in your family. I want to tr take away your trust in your comfortable lifestyle. I want everything that you might put your trust in that's not me. I want it to go. And so in those moments where God is just not moving as quickly as you would like, of all the possible things he's doing in your life, one of those is he's taken away the crutches that you use that are not him. He wants to be the thing that you depend on the whole time. And I just want to read a scripture to close. And, and I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone here. Let you know some of the journey that we're going on because you're partnering with us in this. And, and I want to not just put up photos and say... It's all really wonderful and show you all the good stuff. I want a bit of the day-to-day -day wrestle that we're going through as well, plus the goodness of God, plus you know, in the, the goodness of God in the delivery, the goodness of God in the delay, the goodness of God in the whole journey, the preparation, the, the here and now. You know, God is good. And, and I want to help you, I want to help encourage you that in your life, whatever delay you're facing, whatever journey you're on, whatever you're believing for, keep believing God for big things. And I believe that's a word for people's businesses today, that you, you need to believe God for big things. Don't let the delay make you think God's not into it. He's into it. He's so into it. It's not because he's uninterested. He is so interested. In fact, if you knew how interested he was and how he's working in your life that you can't see, you would know how interested he is. It's not because he is unable. He is so able. It's not that he doesn't want it. He is passionate about it. It's that he's just doing something on the inside of you. So keep believing God for big things. But I believe there's some people in here that feel like this today, and I want to pray for those people. Psalm 69, verse 1 to 3. David writes, I love David. Psalms are so good when you're going through a difficult time and you can just read the Psalms and full of emotion. Psalms, um, David said, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Now, I don't know if you feel like that, any of you today. The floodwaters are up to my neck. It's, it's getting close for some of these things in my life. 
deeper and deeper I sink into the mire, I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water. Australians have another saying for that, don't they? I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. But this is an incredible verse here. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Wow, have you ever been at that point? Um, We fasted for this venue a year ago. We did a three-day prayer and fast. We're like, this will do it. I declared in front of our church, we'll be in that venue by this time. We were were believing. And and there was a point where I felt like this. And at, at times have moments. But God takes you to that point. Then he drowns you. And then he resurrects the thing that he kills. He doesn't just wait till it gets up to your neck. It feels like he goes way past that. And he, because what? It cruci- he, he, he kills and buries every untrusting, self-righteous desire on the inside of us so that he can raise up a new man that is full of faith, that is full of trust, that is humbler, that is more dependent on God. And so I want to speak that over your life today, if that's you. And if that's not you and you're doing well, God bless you. But I really believe that I want to speak that over some people's life today that if, who are feeling in that point who are feeling at that point. But if you go to the end of the ver- or end of the chapter, it gets good. And he starts doing his faith declarations. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas that will move in, and, and, and the seas and all that move in them. God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Jerusalem. You know, it changes from God. I can't, oh, it's all crazy to God will do this. And I want to speak over your life. God will do this today. And I want to thank you and, and, and just ask that you would keep believing for us and with us, honestly, without C3 Tugra, we couldn't do this. We can't. We couldn't. We, we don't want to do the, the thing that is long, that, that we're relying on Australia long term. But at the moment, building in Africa is a slow process. So what you're doing, you're investing into something that is going to way exceed what you see on the screen there. That is the seed. That is the foundation of a great work that God's going to do in that city. And we're uh, also pray with us. We're starting a business an enterprise in, um, in emotional intelligence, EQ training. We're going to do an online face-to-face training company that we want to start generating income because, you know, we, we, as grateful as we are for your support, we don't want to be here in 10 years still saying, hey, can you, can you help us with some cash? You know, we want to be self-sufficient. We want to be independent. And then, you know, that's where we're heading. But right now, we, we need a bit of we need people who can help believe in us and support us to get to that point. And you guys have done that. You've believed in us. You saw a vision that wasn't there and now it's there. And, and I think you can believe with me and see with me that what's there is a seed and you can see a glimpse of the future. And I see that for you guys. I see that for C3 Tugra. I see this as a seed. I see so much going on. And so let's believe together. I see it for your business. see it for your family. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.